Welcome, everybody, to the first episode of Just Three Guys, a brand new podcast to fulfill all of your sports needs, whether that be game recaps, news, or even picks. We got a lot of great topics for you guys today, so let's get it. Let's get it. Yeah, let's get it. We're going to start off with our first segment of the week that we want to talk about today called What's New With You? Uh, so, Gable, what's new with you? I'm glad you picked him to start. Well, yeah, I recently just had knee surgery on Tuesday, and uh, I've been laying low pretty much all week, which hasn't been too bad. Yesterday, I was in quite a bit of pain. Let me tell you, it hasn't piped up the way I thought it would be, but, uh, you know, Taking pain pills every now and then isn't the worst thing. So, not too bad well, lately. How well, about first you guys? Of all, uh, how how many surgeries is this for you now? This is surgery number six, I believe, before the age of twenty-one. So, had a couple on okay, my belt so far. What has been your favorite surgery so far? Um, I don't think that's actually a thing where you have a favorite surgery, but I'd probably say wisdom teeth. Honestly, that was oh, I never the counted that one. as a surgery. Yeah, it's probably I count it just because it makes it sound more impressive to say that I've had six. Um, but yeah, I would say wisdom teeth was probably the easiest. I can of all agree of them. with that. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, for me, my internship with the Iowa Cubs is wrapping up only seven home games left i don't have to work again until school starts on monday uh, which is a week from this coming monday so another week before i go back to school um there is this girl okay that that uh i i don't work with but she works there if that makes sense like a different department you know Mm. and i'll admit she's pretty cute but the problem is, is that the way the way it works is like I never get to talk to her or see her, so you know it's kind of hard to make a move. So I've been I've been trying to plan for a while. Um, whenever I get on the camera that walks around the stadium, we call it Camera Five. So I'll say Camera Five for future reference, make it easier. Um, that's that's the one position where I'd be able to talk to this girl. But I've only been able to talk to her. I've talked to her a, a couple of times, but I've only had a conversation with her once. And so I feel like that's not enough to ask her for a number or anything. So I've been wanting to get an opportunity to do that again, but it really hasn't been working out. Cause anytime I've gotten the camera five position, it just seems like she's hardly ever out and about. So I didn't know if you guys had any advice or like what I should do or how I should handle it. Gable, you want to give any advice? Uh, I say you just go and talk to her uh, instead of trying to play the waiting game and uh, trying to make a moment out of anything. Cause uh, it sounds like you're really trying to time this out in a certain way. And I personally am impatient. So I would just go and try and talk to her, well, see, her up or something. Yeah. I see but it's hard because we go there, we eat, She's doing her thing. Uh, I do my thing. 
and then like the game's over, you know. You know what? I'm gonna say, what do you got? You yeah. said you have seven games left. Seven games left. Seven. Just go for it. But go for it. Go straight for the number. But lately, we've been short staffed because people have started going back to school, so we might not have that camera position. But I really don't have a choice. Like I'll have to uh, just go for it somehow. Just find the right I'd moment. Say, go for it. Get the number. Like it's not it. I don't think it's as simple as yeah. just walking up to her and saying, like, "Hey, can I have your number?" Like I feel like I should lead into it with a conversation. Nope, it is that simple. I think you is just it really for that it. simple? Yes, sir. I say, AJ, uh, first two games, try and have a conversation with her when you can. First two to three, and then by game four, you're going for uh, you're going for a Snapchat because if it comes down to the final three games. Everybody's gonna be a little bit antsy you're in right. the situation. Um, so I'd say the yeah. sooner the better. But don't go for the number. Go for the Snapchat. Snapchat is what's in. Mm, that's good okay, yeah, you that's think Snapchat would be easier to get anyway? Yeah, probably anybody yeah, will Snapchat get away with Snapchat. Is, okay. See, I, yeah, Snapchat. I feel, sometimes I feel like I'm 30. So, like, I feel like texting would be the way to go. But I need to get with the times a little bit. There you go. There you go. Well, if any of you guys have yeah, relationship like advice, 20, if anybody else has relationship advice for AJ, go ahead and tweet <laughs> us at j3 g podcast on twitter and go ahead and give aj some advice that'd be helpful i appreciate it guys all right no sorry for uh taking so long but what's new with you no you're good um there's absolutely nothing new with me so i figure i'm gonna take this first week and just kind of do a little bit more of an introduction about myself (laughs) uh my name is my name is noah i'm 20 years old i go to a college in the northern part of iowa the university of northern iowa and um yeah, there's absolutely nothing new with me this week. So just a little, a little information, a little bit of background about me. So there you oh, go. Maybe we should have done that too. I'm AJ. And I'm, I'm, I'm shit, AJ. No, I'm also yeah, 20. Yeah, I go I, to Grandview in Des Moines. Yeah. Iowa. Oh, yeah, Iowa. I don't think there's a Des Moines anywhere else, is there? I'm just saying. People might not know what Des Moines is. You're right. So yeah. I'm sure we have listeners all over the country. Some people might think so. it's pronounced like Des Moines or something. But no, it's yeah. pronounced Des Moines. True. Yeah. All right. Well, my name is Gable Johnson. I'm also 20 years old, and uh, I will be a junior at Simpson College in Indianola, Iowa, this upcoming fall. And I start a week later than just about everybody else, um, but that's okay. Get an extra week of recovery in before I have to start, like, doing physical activity again. So that's nice. Very important. Got some questions that I got to ask, and I hope you can come up with the answers, baby. All right, there we go. So mm-hmm. let's go ahead and hop into this next topic. Our next segment is called The Inquiry. We're going to answer some questions from you, the fans, that you send in. So make sure to send those in. Tweet at us at J3G Podcast. Slide into the DMs or email us some questions at J3G Podcast at gmail.com. And maybe if you're lucky, we'll answer it on the podcast next week. Um, so we got a couple questions for you guys this week. Ooh, this one's this first one's for Gable actually. Oh, specifically. It says hey. It says hey, Gable. It's specifically for Gable. All of our fans out there. Wow. This from Doug in Ohio. It says hey, Gable. Uh, what's the worst experience you've ever had with uh, fast food? Thanks. That's all it says. <laughs> oh man. Dang. Okay. Well, Doug. Uh, the first, you know, actually the worst uh, experience I've ever had with fast food. Oh gosh, um, un- you know, really the big thing is, is I've never really had like too much difficulty with my fast food. Um, I'm not usually one of those people that gets unlucky 
and um, gets like an order messed up or anything. But I'd say probably the worst experience I've ever had is, uh, I don't know, this is tough, kind of on the spot, but I think it's whenever I go out to eat, um, yeah, I actually have no idea. Oh my God, this is so bad, guys. (laughs) Doug's going to be disappointed. Doug is really stumping us. Um, For me, I mean, it's nothing specific, but every time I go to B-dubs, uh, it's like a guarantee I'll be on the toilet all night long. Like, there's no question about yeah. it. It's going to be rough. Yeah, Jethro's does that to me. But I'd say my worst experience, um, there's, like, this stretch where every time I'd have McDonald's, I would just throw up. This was back in the day, probably, in my, I think in my early elementary years. But I'd just eat something at McDonald's mixed with that high C orange and... Yeah, it just didn't turn out good, and I, I don't know what it was, but McDonald's made me sick for the longest time. It's really not the best quality of food nowadays, but I can at least hold it down if I need to. Oh, girl! I, now it comes to me. Um, I actually did have a similar complaint about B-dubs. Uh, senior year of high school went out after a basketball game, and I ordered like honey barbecue wings. And I ordered them just like plain honey barbecue um and they gave me just like literally like chicken nuggets like no sauce on the wings at all and i thought that was weird because you just assume that you know people would like put the honey barbecue on the wings but they actually brought the honey barbecue in like a little container for me to use separately so i was really confused by that because i was like who actually comes to like a a b-dubs and gets barbecue sauce on the side instead of actually on the wings. I've never so, I've never seen that done before unless somebody requests it. That's weird. Yeah. You got to ask for that usually. Yeah. yeah, I just said honey barbecue wings, um, and I said extra sauce on the side. And I think they must have just took it as like, okay, he doesn't want any sauce on his wings. So we're just going to bring it as like a dipping thing. So that was weird, especially since it was traditional. So I just regularly like chicken wings, and I did not have like any, you know, barbecue sauce on them. So that was a pretty bad experience. All right, all right. So this next question, next question is in here. Um, it's asking, what's a uh, this is for everybody? It's just, hey guys, so that's all of us. Um, what's a movie or a movie scene specifically that has scarred you for life? Ooh, this one's a tough one. Say, I can tell you, I got two good ones for me. Um, my first one is Back to the Future, which I know seems ridiculous. Back to the Future, uh, you know, seeing where Doc gets shot by like the terrorists or whatever. Um, that might have been racist, they might not have been terrorists, but um, same thing, same thing. Wow, um, <laughs> Back to the Future when Doc gets shot. I was in like second grade and I happened to walk out of my room and like pretty late at night right as that scene happened and for about like six months i thought that someone was going to come into my room and shoot me for sure because that one scene like two seconds um second one is uh ghostbusters uh you know at the very end where the dog statues turn into actual dogs or whatever those things scared the hell out of me i was uh those things scared. i wouldn't watch ghostbusters i didn't watch that movie for like five years because i just didn't want to get to that scene huh okay well you got one yeah i actually do and i'm gonna take a little bit different route 
um, one that scarred me for life, kind of just in like a, in kind of like a sad way, was uh, The Fault in Our Stars. Um, when she gives, when Shailene Woodley gives um, Ansel Elgort's, uh, what do you call it, uh, eulogy while he's alive or whatever, um, that one was pretty bad. It was a pretty sad moment. Um, she gave some heart, like some very touching, um, you know, feedback about his life. And um, that one's just sad. Kind of hit me forever. Uh, scarred me because I was like, wow, I didn't think I'd get this emotionally attached to a movie. But um, happened and damn good movie. So that one was uh, a little bit scarring in a different way. You're, um, get a little you're such a little girl. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, if you watch that <laughs> yeah. kind of movie, I'd say it's a little girl thing. <laughs> anyway uh, I don't know mine's kind of different uh, it's from the movie Stand By Me and it's the scene where uh, the guy the kid that they call Lardass in the story um, you know, they chant his name Lardass Lardass um, anyway they're at the pie eating contest at the fair or carnival or whatever it was and Lardass was like yeah, like somebody that got bullied at school and he wanted to like prove everybody wrong. So he like, he wanted to win this contest. So he's mowing down these pies. Right. And then all of a sudden he pukes over all over the person next to him. And then that person pukes on the person next to them. And they just kept puking and puking and puking. Yeah. 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 So disgusting. Like they just kept puking all over each other. So like fruity pies, like any pie that has fruit in it, not my thing just because of that movie. Yeah, another scarring uh, part of that movie is, spoiler, when they find the dead kid at the end and they do a quick quick panel to him. That's another kind of oh, scarring yeah, part. Yeah. But, yeah, that was a, that was a good yeah, choice. Yeah, that was right. All right, good pick. Well, those are all of the questions that we got in for this week. Um, make sure to keep sending those in. Like I said, the Twitter at J3G Podcast or J3G Podcast at gmail.com. Keep sending those in. So I know that at the beginning we promised you guys this would be a sports podcast, and so far it hasn't even been a little bit. So <laughs> we're going to go ahead and turn this over to Gable to kind of get you guys some sports finally. We like sports and we don't care who knows. I'm shooting hoops to the Super Bowl. We like sports and we don't care who knows. All right, guys. Um, this next segment is called This Week in Sports. Um, it's just going to be like a, a look at some of the main topics that have happened this past week. Brief rundown of like the sporting news that um, many of us have seen, but we're just going to cover it. So first things first, we have uh, the NFL football is back. We have almost completed week two of the preseason or week three for some of the teams due to that tricky Hall of Fame game. Uh, two teams get started a little bit earlier. But we have some major stories in the NFL. First one, something that we'll kind of get to a little bit later in our following segment, is that there are four major stars that are still yet to report to their teams in search of a new contract, being Aaron Donald, Khalil Mack, Le'Veon Bell, and Earl Thomas. Um, they're all holding out. Um, we'll get talking about that a little bit more later. Uh, next thing, uh, big, big news this week. has been on the news a lot. Jalen Ramsey basically called out every single quarterback in the NFL, um, which, you know, surprisingly, some of which were somewhat fair and unsurprisingly, uh, some of which were not. Um, he's a little bit biased in some areas, but we'll talk about that a little bit later too. But 
Um, another thing, uh, rolling into the preseason, we've had some backlash with some rule changes. So, you know, you look at the kickoff rules in the NFL, basically there are no more running starts. There are no more wedge blocks. There's no blocking within the first 15 yards. And there's also no need to kneel. So basically the kickoff has been eliminated from football and we're basically either going to let the guy run to the house or they don't even have to touch the ball. Um, so that's caused some controversy so far. Yeah, uh, that, that, and then that's also- unfortunate because that's like one of the most exciting plays in football to me. Growing up as a Chiefs fan, I loved watching Dante Hall return kicks to the house with some of his crazy returns. And even nowadays, Tyree Kill, that takes a part away from his game as a as a speedster as well. Yeah. See, I just don't understand why they literally made like five adjustments to the kickoff. Um, I know it's a dangerous play, but like literally five rule changes to one play uh, just seems weird. So we'll see how that plays out um, in the future. The other big rule change was there's no more leading with the face max or the crown of the helmet, which is a little confusing because growing up playing football, um, I think that's a a huge thing that we were taught to keep our head up. Um, and in order to have your head up, your face mask is most often going to lead um, in a tackle. So that one seems a bit confusing, especially with all the penalties that have been called in the preseason. So yeah, far. and it seems to be kind of inconsistent as well. It should be something that can be reviewed, but I think it'll happen so often in these games that it's just going to be really inconsistent. And I think a lot of a lot of times, like like you said, that's how kids are taught to tackle. Kind of put your head or hold, keep your head up, wrap your arms around somebody, and take them to the ground. Sometimes you'll make that incidental contact with the helmet, but that's hard for the rest to judge in real time. Yeah, I yeah, I don't, I don't think they're going to call it. I think regular season comes around, and I think they're trying to, you know, like how they like, did with the. Uh, with like the hand rule in basketball, how they called it a ton early on, but then big games come around and they don't want to make or break a game don't by let, making yeah. a call like that, and they're just going to let whatever happen as it has in the yeah, past. That's a good point right there. Yeah, kind of just to end this conversation about that, I think it's mostly just for those big hits over the middle where safeties take out like a wide receiver, um, especially since wide receivers are starting to get paid more and we're transitioning um, to the NFL being more high scoring, a little bit less defense. I think the big thing is just trying to get safeties away from laying dudes out over the middle, which is kind of sad because that's kind of like a main responsibility of a safety, but that's neither here nor there. Um, we'll be interesting to see, like Noah said, if they continue to call it uh, later down the line. Um, some more preseason excitement. Um, most of the rookie quarterbacks have looked good so far. Um, a lot of, also a lot of rookie running backs were taken between the rounds one through four in the NFL draft this past spring. Um, so they're looking to make an impact early. And I think a lot of this preseason excitement uh, lies on the quarterbacks this year um, because we have a lot of quarterbacks looking to make a jump. You know, we have quarterbacks on new teams in Alex Smith, Kirk Cousins, and Tyrod Taylor. We have quarterbacks in new schemes and situations like Marcus Mariota, Mitch Trubisky, Patrick Mahomes, Cam Newton. And we have a couple quarterbacks that are coming back from injury that could be considered the top-tier quarterbacks in the league when healthy in Andrew Luck, Deshaun Watson, and Carson Wentz. So 
There's a lot of preseason excitement for good reason, and a lot of that has to do with our younger players in the league as well as with uh, quarterbacks in you know different situations that have been in the past. So then shifting to the NBA, a little recap. Um, there's been a lot of buzz about the Lakers this offseason um, with their additions to build around their newly acquired LeBron James. Um, and so we'll talk about that a little bit later and what to make of those moves. Um, Melo officially signed with Houston this past week. It seems like it's happened five times already this offseason, but he officially signed this past week. Um, Kawhi Leonard is finally settling down in Toronto. The roster looks pretty good. So we'll talk about those three moves a little bit later on in our next segment. And also, um, about 10 days ago or so, the Cavs picked up Sam Decker in a trade. Um, you know, a former really good college basketball player who hasn't really made his way in the NBA yet. But it's kind of looking weird because the Cavs roster is just I, – I couldn't tell you who's going to play and who's not. But, you know, this is a little bit different this time around with LeBron leaving Cleveland. So it will be interesting to see uh, what happens with that. So there's a little bit of NBA moves. Yeah, I do, uh, think, yeah. I, I do think that the Cavs will be uh, better off uh, without LeBron uh, – this time around instead of the first time that he left. Uh, Kevin Love should – I think he'll go back to being uh, the dominant player he was with the Timberwolves. But, and then they're also loaded with below-average veterans, but they're veterans, so I still think that they'll make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. Did you, did you say the Cavs are going to be better off without LeBron? No, better off than they were the first time he left, where they, where they had nobody – they had, what, Anderson Barajow, Mo yeah. Williams? I suppose, possibly. I don't know. I feel like it's tough to yeah, bounce just, back from where they're at. I find it interesting because you have a bunch of older veterans that are locked into contracts, and then you also have Colin Sexton, who they just drafted, right. and they just acquired Sam Decker. So – um, it'll be interesting to see who plays where. I feel like they're going to be a team that a lot of uh, other teams are picking off of at the trade deadline next year when they're looking for veterans, especially in the Eastern Conference, um, looking like one of those top three or four teams in the East. They're looking for a gritty guy, um, a veteran that they can stick in the rotation. Um, they can possibly trade an expiring contract or a second or first round pick for one of those players. So, I think the Cavs are just going to be an interesting team where everybody except for probably Colin Sexton um, is available, even Kevin Love signing his extension. So it'll be interesting to see how that kind of unfolds. But I definitely do agree with AJ in that they are a lot better off where they are now versus when LeBron left them for the Heat uh, years ago. So it'll be interesting to see how that roster situation plays out. All right, Cavs, in 2011 won 19 and 63. You think they won more than 19 games this year? (laughs) Definitely. They should win at least double that. They'll be above five. I would say – okay, I think that's a stretch, but I would say say 35 games would be a pretty accurate – I'll give them 30. Uh, yeah, I really? think they miss the playoffs. I think they're like 10th or 9th because I think they're going to have like roster movement towards okay. the deadline. So. I, think, I think that's but, only if things aren't working out or if they're like right on the brink. 
then maybe they'll try to make uh, – they don't really have much to work with, but they might try to make a big move, a big splash at the deadline to try to, you know, get what they need to get over that hump to get in the playoffs. Yeah, it'll be an interesting situation, but I do think they'll hover around that 35 win mark because um, I really don't think that they're going to have a set rotation. And I think the East is getting a little bit better. Um, and some teams will make a jump. So I think there'll be, like, borderline playoffs, probably, like, around the 10 or 11 spot. But we'll see, especially since Kevin Love has not stayed healthy each of his years in Cleveland for the most part, especially this past year he's hurt a lot. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, it really depends on how Kevin Love is. If he stays healthy for a whole season, then I think definitely they'll squeeze in with an 8-7, maybe a 6 seed. But if he's hurt, he's the team's best player, and if he goes down, then – Somebody else is going to have to step up. All right, so back to the rundown a little bit. Um, in terms of MLB, we had two major scuffles this week. The first one, um, which one that got the most publicity, was Ronald Acuna Jr. was intentionally hit by the first pitch to start off their fourth game of the series against the Marlins after I do believe he had three consecutive leadoff home runs in the previous three games of the series, um, which I think is a little bit uncalled for, especially since – if he wasn't celebrating that much, um, I feel like that's an uncalled for, uh, unwritten rule in baseball where you peg a guy that's hot. Um, also, we had Yasiel Puig and Nick Hundley got into a scuffle, which Puig ended up getting suspended two games for, which, you know, I mean, some people don't think it's a big deal, but the Dodgers are also fighting for a playoff spot, especially since Arizona has been kind of hot as of lately. Um, which brings us to our division leaders um, as of today for baseball. So right now in the NL, the, the Cubs uh, have the top record in the National League. Um, they are 70-50. and 50. They're winning the Central. Atlanta has the second-best record, um, leading the East with a 68-52 and 52 record. Arizona then with a 67-55 record. Um, in the AL, you have Boston leading the AL East with – uh, a historic season. Um, they're 86 and 36. Houston's winning the West at 74 and 47. And Cleveland is miles ahead of everybody else in the Central at 69 and 51. Um, and so then looking at the wild card a little bit, uh, in the NL, Milwaukee and uh, Philadelphia are both right now in as it stands with St. Louis a game and a half back, Colorado two back, and the Dodgers two and a half back. And then the Yankees and the A's would be in if the season stopped today with Seattle only being two and a half back, which kind of brings up some of the major storylines of baseball so far in that there's, from what I've observed, I don't know about you guys, but it doesn't seem like there's a clear front runner in the NL as every division is pretty much up for grabs right now. Whereas in the AL, it seems like there's a little bit more clarity with Boston, um, the Yankees, Cleveland, Houston, like, those four teams seem miles ahead of everybody, even though the A's and Mariners are kind of making a run. So, I don't know, that's something I just noticed. But it seems like the NL is a little bit more murky and who's going to make the playoffs and who's going to make a run versus the AL. I think we have four major teams in there that are all possibly even better than every team in the NL. Yeah, I agree with that. And the weird thing about uh... – the American League is that the Red Sox and the Yankees are the two best teams in the American League, and one of them at this point is going to have to play a wild card game, a one game wild card game, to continue their run in the postseason. 
Mm-hmm. I'm just and, uh, uh, I'm just gonna go ahead. I, I'm picking the Red Sox. They are unreal, and I think Red Sox are taking it all this year. No problems. I do agree with that. Um, I think, and the Yankees they've been falling off lately. I, I would say they're not keeping up. I, I, would, I don't know if they're falling off or the Red Sox are just extending their lead. But with the Red Sox doing that, it makes the Yankees seem like they're not uh, on top of it right now. Teams are catching up to them. The Astros, A's, yeah. Mariners, all at the 70 win mark. They're right behind the mm-hmm. Yankees. Yeah, before the season, I, I kind of predicted the Cubs and the Yankees would be in the World Series with the Yankees beating the Cubs. Um, but – as it stands right now, I think it's hard to bet against Austin, especially in the AL, um, especially with the Yankees and Aaron Judge. We don't know how much time he's going to and, um Oakland's been on a tear, and uh, Seattle's not too behind in terms of getting uh, those two wild card spots. But, you know, the NL, it always seems like the NL is kind of a league that figures itself out um, once the playoffs are settled in. Um, but it takes a while to get to that point because it's usually very competitive. Um, but we'll see how that goes uh, moving forward. But, you know, another thing from the MLB season that's been pretty interesting is the number of legitimate MVP candidates from each league. So kind of like how the odds have been going so far is for the AL MVP, J.D. Martinez and Mookie Betts, both from the Red Sox, Jose Ramirez – and Mike Trout are all having phenomenal seasons and you could probably put money on any of them in, you know, probably not go wrong with who's going to win it. Um, and then in terms of the NL, you have Nolan Arenado, who's having a great year and he's kind of leading the Rockies on this surge. Uh, Freddie Freeman, who's been uh, the leader of that Braves locker room and he's a great at the plate. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt's been hot as of lately um, and has kind of been leading Arizona back to, Vince in their division, especially since Dodgers have tailed off a little bit as of late. Um, and then obviously Javier Baez for the Cubs. Um, you know, he's having a kind of a breakout year for him where he's shown a lot of consistency. So a lot of good players in the MLB this year. Hard to choose who's going to be uh, who's going to be the MVP for each league at the end of the year. Do you guys have a pick out of those four for each league right now? Who would you go with as your NL and AL MVPs? As a as a Braves fan, I want to say Freddie Freeman in the National League, but I don't think so. Um, I think it's going to be Arenado. But the thing that Freddie's got going for him is that they're a division leader, unlike the Rockets. Him a little bit, I suppose. Um, I'd love to see Freddie get it, but I don't think so. Uh, AL, who did you say your four for the AL were? It was J.D. Martinez, Mookie Betts, Jose Ramirez, and Mike Trout. I'm going to say Mookie. I think it's Mookie's year. I think it's a Red Sox year, and I think he's about due for it. Yeah, I agree with the Mookie pick. Um, Mookie's having an outstanding season, but and if he wasn't having his outstanding season, then definitely J.D. Martinez. Um, they've both been consistent all year long, and that's what an MVP uh, – is in my book. As for uh, as yeah. for National League, I don't know. This one's also kind of tough. Um, it's kind of like the the National League race in the standings. Um, this could really be up in the air. It might come down to whatever team, or it might come down to the final month of the season. Whatever team 
uh, or whatever player rather uh, helps their team get to a good position for the postseason? Um, right now, if I had to pick, I'd probably go with Mookie Betts uh, for AL MVP. Um, slightly in front of his teammate JD Martinez. I, I feel bad for Mike Trout because the dude is always putting up amazing numbers. Probably one of the top three best baseball players I've ever seen. But the Red Sox have been so good this year, and Mookie and JD have been at the the front runners of that team. So I would go with Mookie. Seems a little bit more like a team leader. Seems like he's kind of the tone setter for this team, but can't take anything away from JD as well. And in the NL. Um, I think it's honestly up for grabs between those four. I think Nolan obviously gets a little bit of advantage for playing half his games in Colorado, which is the easiest field to hit at through that elevation. Um, I would probably lean towards Freddie Freeman and Baez as of right now, but even I don't feel super great about handing it to Baez yet um, just because I think the other three guys – um, are a little bit more crucial to the success. But Javi's um, utility this year, being able to play third, short, and second base, um, have been huge, and his bats consistency. So, I don't know. I would say Mookie for the AL, and as of right now, take your pick in the NL, but I'd probably leave. I'd probably lean towards Freddie Freeman, especially with the Braves um, becoming relevant again this past season. Um, so then – Anyways, moving on to college football, we are officially two weeks away from college football starting. Pretty pumped about that. Um, Our preseason top 10 rankings are looking as dominant as ever. You have Alabama at number one, Clemson two, Georgia three, Ohio State four, Oklahoma five, Wisconsin six, Washington seven, Auburn eight, Notre Dame nine, and Penn State at ten. But the thing that I found interesting about this is that all four of the top teams have somewhat of a quarterback battle going on in Alabama, um, Clemson, Georgia, and Ohio State. So I think that's the first time in my lifetime I've ever had that where the top four teams in college football entering a season all are, at least at some point, somewhat undecided on who will be starting Um, maybe not necessarily week one, but by week three or four into the season when college uh, conference play starts to begin. So that's been kind of crazy, and I'm looking forward to see how that plays out. Yeah, that is weird that they're – like they have the top four teams and they don't know who their starting quarterback is going to be week one. And I think, if anything, that's probably a good situation for those teams to have because – that can make those top-rated teams even more elite by picking the right guy or the best guy as their starting quarterback for the season. Yeah, and the other thing with that is I know it's pretty clear at the top between Alabama and Clemson, easily the two best rosters in college football with all that defensive and offensive talent surrounding uh, the quarterbacks. But it just seems crazy that Clemson – is bringing back Kelly Bryant, who I think as a starter last year only lost two games. And then Alabama brings back Jalen Hurts, who as a starter in his entire career has only lost like two or three games. And they're both bringing in five, you know, five, former five-star, um, you know, high school quarterbacks. And those guys are looking like they're probably going to eventually be the starters. Uh, Georgia kind of runs into a similar situation 
with uh, Jake Fromm stepping in last year, doing great. And then the number one overall recruit from that um, this past year's recruiting class and Justin Fields, um, you know, being his backup. So it'll be interesting to see if any of these younger guys will eventually take these jobs. I think a couple of them will, but we'll have to see how that plays out here in the future. Um, lastly, our last major event, a uh, little college basketball news. Duke participated in um, is participating in three exhibition games in Canada. Uh, game one, they played Ryerson College, uh, and R.J. Barrett and Zion Williamson combined for 63 of Duke's 86 points, winning 86 to 67, which I know we haven't even gotten to college football season yet, but brings some excitement with college basketball as kind of four major powers in Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, UCLA, and others all bringing in pretty good recruiting classes this year, um, all looking to shape up to have a great college basketball season as well. So that concludes uh, this week in sports. So now we're going to transition into J3G's Just Three Things of the Week. So Just Three Guys, Just Three Things of the Week are three main discussion and debate topics. So, first, fellas, we're going to talk about the holdouts that we talked about briefly earlier. So, we have those four main stars in Aaron Donald, Khalil Mack, Le'Veon Bell, and Earl Thomas all holding out. So, i got to ask, whose holdouts will pay off for them in the long run, and whose do you think will hurt them in the long run? Well, I think, uh, to start off, I think Le'Veon Bell, I mean, He's been getting the franchise tag for quite some time now. And to me, it's about time that he gets paid. But we've seen him in this situation before, and it hasn't affected his performance one bit. So I don't think holding out is going to bother him. But if it, if it does affect one person, I would say, I have to say Earl Thomas um, just a couple seasons ago, Cam Ch- Chancellor was in the same situation, and now uh, he's out of the league. So um, I don't know. It could be it could be uh, interesting to see how they if they get contracts worked out, or if uh, they just aren't in the same uh, conditioning shape that they were in uh, previous to these holdouts. Yeah, I'm going to say that uh, I think the best one here, player-wise at least, I think it's going to be Khalil Mack who's going to work out for the best. Uh, I think this holdout's paying off, and he's going to end up getting out of Oakland and maybe on an actual Super Bowl contending team for this season, and I think that's really what he's looking for. I would have to agree, Noah. Um, I think Khalil Mack, I don't think this is going to work out well for this season because – Obviously, he's already missed out on two paychecks so far, um, and I think there's an obvious disconnect between the Raiders and Khalil Mack. So I think probably by this time next year, we're talking about Khalil Mack being on a different team um, under a new contract. So I think it will work out well for him in that regard. Um, I think Aaron Donald is going to eventually re-sign with uh, the L.A. Rams. Um I just think that they have a good thing going. I think he fits with them, um, and I think he's eventually going to get paid by the Rams because they know he's probably um, 
the best player, best defensive player in football. Um, he's at least top five, top three, if that, too. So I think he's going to resign. I think, I think we're going to see Le'Veon on a new team uh, as of this time next year, and I don't think he's going to eventually get paid um, as much as what he's probably valued at just because the running back hit, uh, position is easily, easily replaceable. And Earl Thomas, I have to agree with you, AJ. I think he's going to be the one that's most hurt by this, especially with the safety position um, not being a highly paid position. He's also, I think, close to 30 or getting close to 30, which is kind of age for football players, non-quarterback or non-online, where they start to lose a little bit. So I think Earl Thomas will be hurt, but um, the other three guys will have an opportunity to make some money um, I think Aaron Donald will be the only one left on his current team, though. See, the problem with the Aaron Donald situation is that they have a lot of top-tier players on that team now. And they might, they're, I don't know if they're going to be able to keep all of them for a long run a few seasons down the road. I think the one thing, though, that people don't um, really understand about his situation is that Ndamukong Sue is only on a one-year deal. Um, Marcus Peters is essentially on a one-year deal after getting traded for this offseason. So I think there will be some money that opens up at the end of the season where Aaron can get paid and they can sustain his paycheck long-term. Uh, but they have spent a lot of money on Todd Gurley and Brandon Cooks as of lately, um, and then Aqib Talib as well. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle that cap situation. But I think he's the one, as of right now, that he's most likely to get a big-time long-term deal with his current team. I think Khalil will get one somewhere else. I think Le'Veon will get a little bit underpaid in the offseason, but I think he'll get a big deal. And I think Earl Thomas is going to be the one that eventually gets hurt. I do end up seeing him on a different team next year. But I really do not believe that he's going to get a lot of money in the long term. So if I was him, I would show up to camp, um, start earning that money, and um, hope for the best because I don't see him as having too much longer of a career left, especially at the position that he plays. Moving on to the second topic. Um, We talked about this a little bit earlier as well. Still has to do with the NFL. Jalen Ramsey gave his opinions on some of the quarterbacks in the league. Some of his comments were he called Josh Allen trash. He called Baker Mayfield. Um, he basically said that he gets how he was a top pick. Um, yada, yada, yada. You guys have all seen the comments. Um, we all have them right in front of us. So uh, basically it leads me to ask you guys, um, who do you think he was right about? And of those, who do you think he was wrong about? Um, I'll be honest, I don't know if he's even right or wrong about any of these, and I don't think he's sure about any of them. It literally looks he said all these comments and then randomly picked quarterbacks' names out of a hat. It's, it makes completely no sense. Um, I mean, there's a couple that are that make sense, I suppose. Like, I suppose it's technically fair to say that Rodgers and Brady don't suck, but, I mean, I guess you could give a little bit more credit than that. Um Besides that, I mean, he's kind of all over the board here, and it's pretty inconsistent. And uh, it just seems very out of blue every single pick that he made. For me, I think they're spot on, except for the 
the rookie quarterbacks, it may be too early to tell whether or not uh, Josh Allen is going to be trash or whether or not Baker Mayfield is going to be a star cal- or top caliber player. But then there's ones like Joe Flacco. Yeah, he sucks. I do disagree with Kurt, the Kirk Cousins one where uh, Ramsey said that he's a winner. I believe Kirk Cousins is a bit overrated. I don't see uh, – like he did get a massive contract from the Minnesota Vikings this offseason, but I don't know if he's worth that, and I don't know if he's done enough to prove that he's a winner or that he's worth that massive contract. Yeah. See, he's just all over. Like Eli Manning, Odell makes him. Eli Manning won two Super Bowls with, without Odell. Without Odell, yeah. Without Odell. He's all over the place. Yeah, I agree. I would say that um, he was over the place on some of them, but there were a couple that I thought he was pretty accurate about. Um, I think him calling Marcus Mariota a good game manager, I think that's a pretty accurate statement, um, You know, especially since he is 20 and 22 as a starter. Um, but especially in the past two years, he's 17 and 13. Um, he has a playoff win. Uh, he's played in a absolutely god awful offense um, in terms of schematics. Um, basically, looked like something you watch in the 1950s and 60s. So I think he was kind of accurate there. I think he was accurate about Deshaun Watson and Carson Wentz in saying that you know there will be future MVPs. Um, I think they're kind of like the new age quarterback in that they have a ton of athleticism. They're somewhat accurate, but they'll take some shots downfield. And ultimately, they're both really good leaders, and they play in kind of like a new style offense. Um, Some of the ones that I don't agree with necessarily, um, he called Kirk Cousins, like you said, AJ, that he's a winner. He actually has a 26-30-1 career record as a starter. And as a full-time starter, he is just barely over 500. I know he's played on some um, teams for the Redskins, but that division is up for grabs every single year, um, and he hasn't really capitalized on it, and I don't think the Redskins have, um, especially since they don't. it's not like they have a bad roster um, from year to year. They're usually right around 500. So I would disagree with that statement. Obviously, I'm uh, – I don't think him saying Roethlisberger, he's decent at best, is accurate because, I mean, same thing with, like, the Eli comment that you picked out, Noah. Uh, He won two Super Bowls. Um, You know, the Steelers are always one of the top two or three teams in uh, um, in their side of, uh, you know, the AFC or whatever. And then um, also I think he's been very consistent for the most part. Yeah, he's got good skills players around him, but he does his job. Yeah, they're in the playoffs and, um, every year. Yeah, he's always he's always a top tier guy. We always consider him as a top ten core. If you're the top ten at anything in the world, I don't think you're just decent at best. But the one that I thought was the craziest, he said he didn't think Andrew Luck was very good. Which I've looked at his stats. Um, when Andrew Luck had competent anything around him, he went 11-5 and five with playoff appearances each of his first three years of progressively making their way through the playoffs. Um, and then when you look at the last year, he was completely healthy. In 2016, 
he arguably had his best year. He had his best completion percentage, um, his second uh, or his third best in passing yards just by about 100 yards. Um, he had 31 touchdowns, only 13 picks. Um, he had a passer rating of 96.4. So I don't understand how he could say that Andrew Luck isn't very good when the only reason why the Colts have been relevant in the past five to six years has be has been because of Andrew Luck. So I thought he was a little bit off basis, but I would mostly agree with Noah in that it was kind of random um, in who he picked to be good and who he picked not to be good, especially if he's giving compliments to Marcus Mariota, who, you know, isn't exactly viewed as highly as Andrew Luck is, and he called Andrew Luck like a not very good quarterback. So that's interesting, um, some of the comments that he had. And so our last big discussion topic, um, so obviously there's been a lot of news around three NBA teams this offseason outside of the uh, Golden State Cheaters, I mean Warriors. Uh, but Kyle Kuzma um, has said – you know, that the critics are underestimating the Lakers for this upcoming season. Obviously, Rockets signed Melo this week, and Kawhi is just getting situated in Toronto. So, which leads me to ask you uh, guys, what team, as of right now, has the best roster between the three, the Rockets, the Lakers, or the Raptors? I don't think this is even a, a question. It's definitely, definitely the Rockets. Mm-hmm. Big um, agree. Um, the, the Rockets have two superstar players. They have the team that they pretty much yeah they have the, pretty much the same team that they had last year. They added Carmelo Anthony. They I could see them uh, having a better shot at winning the title over or winning the Western Conference rather over the Lakers. And uh, the Lakers do have the best player in basketball, but we've seen before. Uh, LeBron needs some extra pieces in order for his team to go above and beyond. I never want to bet against LeBron because anybody that ever has bet against LeBron has usually been wrong for the past 15 years. You're right about that. But saying that, with two of these teams being in the West, even with LeBron James, it's hard for me to imagine that that they're going to get a higher seed in the West or advance further in the postseason than the Rockets are. I think the Rockets are clearly the best team. I mean, they're a game away. If they don't play like trash in Game 7, they're probably in the finals, honestly. Yeah, they yeah, probably beat beating the Warriors. Just got to make their so, threes. That's what their a whole offense is designed exactly, for. Exactly. Exactly. Now adding Carmelo into that. I know Carmelo hasn't been great these past couple of years, but it's not like he's some bum. He's still going to do a lot of great things for the Rockets. The Lakers, I mean, it's LeBron surrounded by a bunch of bums, which I think is maybe what he's trying to do for this first year and build up a better team. I think the Lakers are going to be okay. I think the worst of the three is the Raptors, even though I don't think that'll show record-wise due to the Raptors being in the East. For but, sure. uh, I mean, who knows if Kawhi's even going to play for the Raptors, honestly. So <laughs> I think it's going to go Rockers, Rockets, Lakers, Raptors in my order of those teams. The Rockets have the best roster as it stands. Uh, obviously, losing Trevor Reza and Luke Richard and Bob Mute um, were two big losses, but they added some interesting pieces on the wing in James Ennis. Obviously, Carmelo comes over. Um, they also added Michael Carter Williams, who once used to be a pretty good NBA player. Um, now, I don't really know where he kind of fits in, but it'll be interesting to see if they kind of transition him to the wing, especially since he's like six foot six or six foot seven, and he's got a handle. 
I don't think he's very much how he goes. Um, but you know, it's interesting for me picking between the lake and the Raptors as having a better roster. I would go with the lake as being a little bit better than the Raptors as of right now. I'm a big believer in LeBron James coming in and completely flipping down the Lakers. I also think that some of those younger pieces are going to be pretty energized to play with LeBron. And some of these veterans that they have on their team are kind of on their last straw in terms of value that they can bring to an NBA team. They're looking for a second job this year, and pretty much everybody with the exception of the young talent in a one-year So I think the Raptors ultimately need the move to go all in um, to get by this year, go all in on winning the year. Um, but I don't think it's going to pan out because I still think they're the third-best team in the Eastern Conference. I think the Lakers are kind of a jumbled-up piece of talent, but I think they'll work it themselves. I think they'll probably get the second round of the playoffs maybe even the Western Conference Finals. But obviously, yeah, the Rap- I mean, the Rockets have the best roster as it stands. But it leads me to ask you two more questions. Um, what team do you think will have the most success of all of these next year? And which of these teams do you think will try to blow things up the soonest? Okay, definitely the team that's going to blow things up the soonest would be the Lakers. But I think I think LeBron is in a position where he's understanding that it may take some time for the young players on the team to grow and develop. So it might be a couple of seasons before they can contend with the Warriors. But if I, if they made the if they did what they did uh, in Cleveland, where they blew up the team at the trade deadline, trying to get pieces uh, to win now rather than later then I think that would hurt the Lakers in the future. But I'd say the Lakers are most likely to do that because they aren't – I don't think they're going to contend with the Warriors this year. I don't think they're going to contend with the Rockets. They'll be closer with the Rockets than the Warriors. But I don't think – I think it's too early for them to make any moves. They need to be patient. And LeBron still has, who knows, maybe six, seven – five, six, seven seasons left in him. You know, if they uh, if he sticks with the Lakers, the Lakers keep their young talent, and they're going to be good for years to come. So there's no need to blow it up. But I think they are the more, most likely to do it out of those three teams mentioned. Yeah, I'm a, I, I'll give the Rockets a uh, Western Conference Finals bid, although I think they'll lose to the Warriors again, as much as I hate that. Um, Lakers will be lucky to make it out of the first round, I think. And the Raptors are probably going to get destroyed like they always do in the playoffs. I'm going to go with the team as having the most success next year. Obviously, the Rockets, we've talked about this quite a bit already. Um, But I do see the Lakers as having more success than the Raptors next year. And I actually think that the Raptors are more likely going to be the ones blowing things up. Because I think we'll figure out very soon if Kawhi is – you know, wanting to stay in Toronto, if he's wanting to leave, if this will even work, especially since they have a new head coach in Nick Nurse and nobody really knows a whole bunch about him. So I think the Raptors are aimed at a rebuild. I think the Lakers would have an opportunity to possibly even acquire uh, Kawhi in a trade near the deadline this next year. I just don't see the Raptors experiment working out. I feel like they hit a cap. I think this is the year they go all in, and if at the deadline 
if things aren't going well, they're obviously going to flip Kawhi to one of the LA teams to get some some type of uh, you know assets in return. So I think actually the Raptors will be the closest to blow things up, um, or I guess the soonest to blow things up. I think it'll be right around the trade deadline, especially if Boston and Philly and maybe even Indiana or someone else are killing it in the East this year. I think the Raptors are most likely to. Um, move on from where they are at right now the soonest. And I think the Lakers are going to get it figured out um, and possibly be the second, third, or fourth best team in the West, which is pretty respectful with where they were this past season. So, guys, that concludes our just three things of the week. So we'll send it. AJ, you're up uh, for your next All right, it is time for some odds and ends. We're going to take a break from the sports and give some funny things that I've seen over social media. Well, I guess it's not my job to judge if they're funny or not. Hopefully they're funny or they might just be interesting to discuss. Who knows? This is just an experiment. I have a different sense of humor than what other people might. So we'll just see how this goes. First off, scrolling through Twitter, I see a tweet with a couple hundred thousand retweets and likes. There is a guy by the name of Steven who was at work and he got written up by his boss. In, his, uh, in the report, the, his boss wrote in the describe the incident section, the boss said, Steven says he needs to go home early because he has ligma. When asked what ligma was, he said ligma balls. <laughs> And yeah, I actually, I actually got played this joke earlier this week by one of my college buddies. Um, he said he was coming down with the case of Ligma. And I said, what's Ligma? <laughs> and he responded with Ligma balls. Nice. And nice. I, got you that, good. I think that's pretty clever. It, yeah, it's a pretty good play on words. It is, it is a clever joke. I feel like I've heard it before, but, you know, I don't think I'd ever say it to my boss. It's a bold move. Yeah, it's a very bold, risky move. It doesn't show on this report uh, what kind of punishment this guy is getting, but I'm sure if he even got written up in the first place, his boss was not very happy about it. All right, next up, I uh, found this on the Today I Learned subreddit on Reddit, obviously. Um, guys, have you ever had gone to a restaurant and had your order messed up, something that you didn't want, or they just cooked something wrong? Yeah. And how did you react? Like, or how would you react in that situation? I'll be honest. I'm too big of a wuss. Usually I'm just going to shut my mouth and not say anything because uh, I don't want to be rude because I'm such a nice guy. It's okay. So <laughs> tell me yeah. thanks for that. But yeah. um, those that know you but, best uh, would say the same thing. Probably. And um, usually I wouldn't even say anything. But um, if it was bad enough, maybe I would. But I'm. Even if it was bad enough, I I wouldn't do it. Okay, well, it sounds like you would pass this test. Uh, the CEO of Charles Schwab often conducts interviews over breakfast, and he asks the cook in advance to slightly mess up the interviewee's order, to, and then he judges their reaction as a test of their character. For me, if I get an order wrong at a restaurant, um, depending on the severity of it, 
uh, like you said, no, I'll just keep my mouth shut. If it's not a big deal, then I'll just eat it. But if my, for example, if my burger is undercooked or something like in that regard, then I'd definitely say something. But I'd, I'd be nice about it as possible because I understand mistakes happen. I feel like uh, servers get too much crap um, a lot of the time, especially by, surprisingly, older people. Oh, yeah. But uh, I, I think, like, if I have an order messed up, it uh, depends on, like, how bad it is. If it's, like, obviously, like we've said, and if it's something small, probably just going to eat it because I probably won't even notice anyways. But if it's a major screw-up, I'm just going to be polite about it and tell them, hey, you know, you messed up on here and here. It's no big deal. Can you just fix this real quick? And, you know, most of the time, you know, you can avoid problems like that. But, you know, if the waiter's a jerk about it, um, I probably won't let them know to their face, but maybe a little bit later in their tip. Um, I'm a big tipper for the most part. People, especially that do well. Um, and I usually tip everybody regardless of if service is well or not, but at the same time, um, if someone's rude, um, I don't think it's, you know, that hard to be nice to somebody at a table, especially if you did get their order messed up, then that's on you or it's on the server. And if they're responding to it, well, I don't, I don't feel like it needs to be a, a huge deal. Um, but I, you know, I think the appropriate way is just treat it you know case by case and i think that's all right yeah um, my grandma uh i know that she does not uh really act nice about it she's super picky but uh she's told me where she's had uh her order messed up and instead of talking to the server and asking for like a replacement or whatever she'll ask for the manager directly she won't like no ifs ands buts about it she'll ask for the manager complain to the manager and I think that's funny because I feel like that you don't need to go to that route or go that route, but I guess everybody has a different way of handling the situation. Um, got a couple more odds and ends for you guys today. Um, this one comes from Fayette County in Georgia. Um, this happened just a couple days ago, but um, $100,000 in ramen noodles got stolen. Um, it was in the back of a trailer that somebody stole about 30 miles south of Atlanta. So I don't really, as a college student, I'd like to avoid ramen noodles if I can, but it's a simple, easy thing to go to. But what are you going to do with $100,000 in ramen? I mean, come on. You're going to eat them. That's exactly what you're going to do with them. It's probably some college kids. Would you – okay, ramen isn't really that expensive to begin with, so I, I should have looked this up in advance, but $100,000 in ramen, that should last you, like, years, decades, centuries. I don't know. It would make centuries. sense. Yeah, centuries. It would make sense uh, to be put in, like, a doomsday shelter. You know, have a big stack of ramen noodles ready That's to go. Fair. That's fair. For the apocalypse. Uh, you could sell them on college campuses to try to save kids travel time. Be like, you don't even have to drive to a Walmart Ooh. or any grocery store. Ooh, ramen maybe, noodle black market. You don't even have to mark them up. You can mark them down because they were stolen. You're still going to make them Oh, up. yeah. Yeah. If I stole $100,000 in ramen noodles, I'd, I'd mark them down. 
Why aren't you a good guy? I'd mark him up. I'm going to be honest. You would mark him up? Oh, yeah. I'd, I'm going to be honest, guys. I've never – I've had ramen noodles, I think, once in my entire life. So I can tell you what I'd do with them. Um, I'd probably end up selling them off uh, to probably college kids like, uh, like you guys suggested just because I don't know what they taste like. And if there's $100,000 worth of ramen noodles – um, I'm going to have too much to do with, you know, on my hands anyway. So I'd probably sell them off, um, especially since I don't even know. Yeah, going back to, yeah, going back to the doomsday shelter, you could probably make your shelter out of the ramen noodles. There you go. That's and, an idea. And still, and still have some left over to eat when there's nothing else to be eaten. But anyway, one last thing, and this is a local, a local story. Just the other day, I received a Snapchat from a student, first-year student going into Iowa State University up in Ames. He's doing grocery shopping for the first time. He's walking down aisles, and he sees this sign that says, Feed your college student from anywhere. And This gives an option for parents to download the Walmart grocery app, place the order, and then... Uh, set up a pickup time and all the student has to do is drive to the pickup area at Walmart and the groceries get dropped off in the car. But that's not the story. This sign was placed by bottles of bleach. Now I'll post the picture in the description along with the other pictures of what I was talking about today. But do you think that's, uh, something that people should get worked up about having this sign in something that could be very sensitive to some people. I mean, listen, college is stressful. Um, <laughs> we, that's, that's all there is to it. College is stressful. Enough I think said. parents understand that. And um, yeah, I think enough said that's, it's probably just bad placement. If I'm being completely honest, it's probably just unfortunate placement. Somebody didn't even think about it, but um just saying, college stuff. Like I feel like bleach wouldn't even. It'd be on like the very end of the grocery section, maybe one of the last aisles, because it looks like next to it there, next to it there's like a bottle of Raid. I don't know what Raid does, but I'm assuming that it does something similar. It must clean something. Doesn't Raid like kill wasp or something? Oh, that might be it actually. Or ants. Or ants. Raid. Raid kills, kills bugs dead. Probably kills something. Like bleach can kill, you know, if you used it as your college meals. Uh, let's see. Raid brand kills bugs dead. Let's see. Can you die from drinking Raid? Um, I would assume so, because you can, you can die from drinking bleach. All right. So here's a good here's a good question posed by someone right here. I'm just wondering what would happen if I took a shot of Raid wasp killer. The bottle won't tell me, and neither will the poison control. Oh, mm. if it does, ooh, that sounds like a good opportunity to sue. Hard to sue if you're dead. Oh, that is true. Maybe yeah, take a small shot, true. and then, like, I don't know. You, obviously, you need to let so, let it ha- or let something happen to your body in order to sue. Mm, well, this guy, that's definitely... Uh... You know, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to go out on a limb and say... You probably shouldn't drink bleach or raid, especially since bleach is used to kill basically all bacteria, and raid is basically used to 
kill insects and things like that. So I would just say um, I would lean towards uh, not drinking it or putting it in my body in any way, shape, or form. But I don't know. I mean, I'm a guy that tries to play it safe most of the time. So I guess uh, I guess it depends on how. how yeah, I think you should throw it out there. Like at least from my standpoint, I do not recommend drinking bleach or raid or anything that you shouldn't drink anything that could be deadly because you could die and that would be really bad yeah we did to lose a listener so um yeah like yeah we want you guys to listen to us every week on and the, you can't just, listen just through guys podcast can't listen if you're dead so um yeah so please avoid the bleach yeah. whenever possible and yeah, I'm going to say uh, J3G does not endorse people drinking uh, bleach or Raid or anything that could harm you. So please don't do that. Um, that was yes. How responsible of you guys to yes. say that. Yeah, well. can't make it clear enough. All right, and that wraps up odds and ends for this week. We will be moving on to a little fun game simulation on whatifsports.com, a place where you can uh, set up dream matchups using custom rosters or historic rosters from the MLB, NFL, or NBA. And this week, we are going to look at what would happen if a team of the 12 best LeBrons face a team of the 12 best Michael Jordans. And when I say best, I mean in terms of the season they had. On whatifsports.com, they have a Michael Jordan and a LeBron James and every other player for every single season on every single team that they've played. This could create an interesting matchup and could help us settle the debate once and for all who is the better player between LeBron James and Michael Jordan. So you guys got any predictions before we do this best of seven series? My prediction for how it's going to come out, I think the simulation is going to pick Jordan's. Um, I think that there's a little bit of a, uh, I think that there's a little bit of a lore surrounding Jordan, and everybody loves him because he's done playing now. But realistically, realistically, I think uh, I think LeBron's would manhandle Jordan and absolutely destroy him. I'm gonna go with agreement with Noah. I think there's a huge stigma out there that. LeBron uh, that Michael Jordan is just way better than LeBron James, which personally I think is just completely false. Um, especially if there were the five best versions, or I guess in that sense, the 12 best versions of these two players playing off, you'd have 12 dudes on one team that are about six foot eight, six foot nine, 250 pounds Absolutely. to 270 pounds going up against um, 12 guys that are probably six foot six. Uh, between 210 and 220. So I think just from a physical standpoint, uh, the LeBrons would win. Also, I think LeBron's a more well-rounded player than Michael Jordan was. And I think LeBron James is all around a better teammate than what Michael Jordan was in terms of, you know, ability to play with others. So I think of realistically, if we took the 12 best versions of LeBron, um, I think they would beat Michael Jordan for every reason that I just explained. But I think in this simulation, it will probably favor Michael Jordan because he is viewed by most of the public, um, which is wrong, but most of the public views him as the best player. I, and then for me, I think if this was a uh, simulation using NBA 2K, I think LeBron would win this single-handedly uh, because 
I think size, speed, athleticism, that's really important. But in this, um, it's, I, think it, I think it'll come down to a full seven-game series. Um, Michael Jordan, 12 Michael Jordans, they all have that killer instinct. They can score any way possible. While LeBron's, they're, they're well-rounded. They're all around. Uh, they're all around good. They can do everything. But I don't know. I think I'm going to go against you guys and say the, Mike, the team of Michael Jordans wins this one in seven games. I've got I got Jordans in six. Jordans in six. I have, okay. I have Jordans in seven, but I think in real life, if this was to actually happen, or in a two K simulation, I think a team of LeBrons would destroy Michael Jordans. So, but I'll go I'll go team of Jordans in seven. All right. So everybody going against LeBron. Game one with uh, determined by random draw. LeBron, the team of LeBrons has home court advantage first. And game one, oh my God, <laughs> Team LeBron wins this one, one oh seven to eighty five. Oh dang! Oh shit! The game was, it was a two point game going into the fourth quarter, and then Le- LeBron's outscored the Jordans forty to twenty to win oh. by twenty two. How about those cl- that clutch gene uh, to some of the LeBron haters? That's always a pretty famous one that he's not clutch. Well, I think this one uh, obviously disproves that. Let's get to game two. Yeah, yeah, game two coming right up. The LeBron's winning again, one seventeen to one oh five. Dang! It looks like uh, the two thousand seven, two thousand eight LeBron James is kind of has kind of been carrying the team so far this series, and. The one that the ninety five ninety six Michael Jordan, the one that I thought would be carrying the team, has been struggling a little bit. So now we're gonna switch home and away for game three. Move Michael Jordan's to home. Move LeBron's to away. All right, game three right here, and the LeBron's do it again. One hundred three to ninety three. Once again, the 2007-2008 LeBron carrying the load and the 95-96 MJ struggling again. So it's 3-0. You guys want to change your predictions now? I'm well, actually, it's a I'm little late shot. for mine. It's a little late for mine. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, uh, you know, it's still possible for the Jordans to win in seven. Um, it is possible. I'm... I'm pretty happy with how this simulation is playing out, even though it's going completely against my prediction, because I think this is slowly going to end the Michael Jordan versus LeBron James debate as who's the best player ever, um, especially if the 2008, I mean, 2007, 2008 LeBron is clearly playing out uh, the 95, 96 version of uh, Michael Jordan. So I'm, I'm just happy what if sports recognizes the greatness of LeBron James as yeah, I'm actually, the best player ever. Yeah, I'm actually really surprised by this so far. So far, the LeBrons have won all three games by 12, 12, and 10. Double digits in all three. We're heading to game four. Michael Jordan's at home. And the LeBrons have officially sweeped Ooh. Michael Jordan's 113 like, to 93. I like hearing that. A 20-point like game. That is actually really surprising. 
I would have expected, I mean, realistically, I would have expected the Michael Jordans to at least get one game. Or or win in seven, like my prediction said, but you know. I think Mm. this plays perfectly with what I personally would believe would happen in a real series if this could ever actually happen, which obviously couldn't. But if this was a real series, I think we'd see similar outcomes um, to this one, to the simulation. So it makes me think that what if sports probably is the most accurate uh, determiner of talent and competition I've ever seen in my life. So I'm glad we did this. Uh, this I would agree. Straight up. Yeah, I'm looking forward to doing more simulations as our podcast goes on. Um, we will come up with one for next time, or you can send us a tweet at J3GPodcast on Twitter for a simulation that you'd like us to debate and then run using What If Sports. We'd love to do it. We'd love to hear your suggestions. We'd love to get more ideas because I'm sure eventually we will run out. So thanks again. That is the What If Sports dream matchup of the week. Gable, we're sending it back to you. Some more real sports. All right, folks. So this next segment, it's kind of our last one that we do every week. It is our send picks, picks of the week. So most of the time, we're just going to be picking uh, between NFL, NBA, MLB, all college basketball matchups. But since it's kind of the dog days of the sports season, we only have preseason going on. Uh, there's no NBA. There's no basketball. Um, and we just have MLB. Um, we'll do it a little bit different. So um, our first pick of the week is that um, first sticks to the NFL. So which rookie quarterback performer will you choose? Uh, we have Baker versus the Bills, Josh Allen versus the Browns, Lamar Jackson versus the Colts, and Josh Rosen versus the Saints over today and through the rest of the weekend since uh, Darnold played last night. So if you guys had to pick one, who do you think will have the best performance this week? I'm going to stick with my boy Baker, big Baker Mayfield guy since his college days, and I think he's just going to continue to blow up every week, and he's going to come around, be one of the best this year. Browns are winning eight games. You think they're going to win eight games? Browns are winning eight games. You heard it here first. God, I don't think they're they're going to be lucky to win four or five. But anyway, that's not the debate for now. We'll say that for another time. Um, I think Josh Rosen is going to be the best quarterback to come out of this draft. Um, so they may not have the best pre or he might not have the best preseason game this week. But I think in the long run, he will turn out to be the best quarterback because he was obviously really pissed when uh, he was one of the last quarterbacks picked in the first round or one of the top tier quarterbacks picked. And he, he has an edge to him. He has an edge. He has, uh, he's obviously wanting to prove people wrong. And I think that's going to show in his work ethic throughout his career that he wants to be remembered as one of the best and he wants to prove people wrong and make the teams that passed on him, be sorry that they did so. Okay. Um, for this week, I think Lamar Jackson will be the best rookie performer in preseason, especially since the Colts defense is so bad. I can't even imagine how bad that second unit is that he plays against. Plus, he's looked pretty good, at least from his legs uh, these past two weeks. So 
I'm going to go with Lamar Jackson as having the best preseason performance this week. But if we're going that route, which I'm sure we'll talk about in future podcasts, my favorite quarterback was Sam Darnold out of this draft class. I think he got kind of put in the worst situation. But I do kind of like your pick of Josh Rosen, AJ, as your favorite um, as far as the career goes. My only question with him is his durability as well as the state of the offensive line down there in Arizona. I don't think it's necessarily great. But my pick this week for rookie performer, rookie QB performing the week is going to be Lamar Jackson, probably going to, against the twos for the Colts. So then our next pick, this is kind of an interesting one. So we're all big 2K players on this podcast. And so uh, NBA 2K19 has released four rookie rankings so far. So the first one was DeAndre Aiden, the number one pick. He has a 79 overall ranking. Marvin Bagley, the number two pick, has a 78 ranking. Um, and then Luka Doncic and Trey Young had their uh, ratings released. Doncic is rated as a 79 and Trey Young as a 77. So based off of these rankings so far, um, who would you pick to lead your 2K squad um, for next year's game? Um, so Trey Young is the most overrated. That's the most overrated 2K rating I've ever heard in my life. By the end of the season, he'll probably be lucky to be a 67. And in the next three years, if he's above a 60, he'll be lucky. He is going to be garbage. He's not going to do anything for the Hawks. They should have taken Doncic. And that's besides the point, I guess. That's not your question. But, um, Trey Young I, I, I need and, to wait, um, wait a second. So you don't believe that he's going to turn out like a Steph Curry or a Steve Nash is what Trey Young says. He wants to be known as a Steve is, Nash more than a Steph Curry. That is the most absurd thing I have ever heard in my I, life. He literally weighs like he's like six foot and weighs like a buck twenty. He's gonna get shoved around the NBA and he's gonna be garbage. He's gonna be garbage. I do think he, I do agree with you saying that he is overrated. I mean in college he took a lot of shots. He wasn't very efficient, lots of turnovers. But yeah. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Bagley's. Bagley's my guy. Bagley. Uh, centers don't really do a whole lot, so forget Aiden. And I'm gonna say Bagley's the way to go. Interesting. See, I disagree with you on the center thing. I definitely have to go with my boy DeAndre Aiden. Um, I think centers are a big part of playing 2K. Rim protectors, um, offensive rebounds, defensive rebounds, putbacks. You know they can do it all, and uh, I think Aiden will have. Uh, a lot of potential, have a good potential rating in 2K, so he could be in the 90s within a few seasons. But I do think uh, Doncic would be pretty fun to play with, trying to lead a team with Doncic. Um, it would honestly be fun to try uh, starting a team with all four of these guys. But uh, definitely I'd pick Aiton or Doncic to lead my squad. Um, I would probably – I'm going to stay away from Trey Young because same as Noah, smaller point guards kind of get beat up. Um, in 2K, I am a guy that likes to run kind of like a Houston Rockets type style where it's a run and gun. But So I probably have to go with Doncic as my guy for 2K19 to lead my squad. But a close second place would be uh, probably DeAndre Ayton. As AJ said, the rim protection, the offensive capability down low, it's hard to not pick him. But I'm, I'm a guy that likes to play with twos, um, especially guys at that two spot that can handle 
like like a James Harden. He's kind of like my ideal guy that in 2K. Um, I also like point guards that can handle, and Doncic has been talked about as possibly being able to play the one, two, and three. So I would probably go with Doncic with the close second to Aiden. Bagley, I don't know how good his offensive skill set is just yet. And I think Trey Young, um, all rookies are obviously either overrated or underrated. Um, I think he's a little overrated. I think it's going to take some time for him to be good. And also, I think he would get eaten up uh, by the bigger and better point guards, especially since it's the deepest position in the NBA, especially on two. All right. That will be all of our picks. And that concludes our podcast for this week. Big thanks to everybody for listening in. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at J3G Podcast and send those questions to Twitter or to the email at J3G Podcast at gmail.com. And we will talk to you guys next week. And remember to give me that relationship advice. It's very important.